Your regularly scheduled program of The Taming of the Shrews will not be seen at this time. Instead, you get another episode of the Owls of Aircast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. I don't expect this to be a long episode because there's not much to cover uh, in like the news front and other stuff, but we do have to talk about that Shrewsbury game. So I have made myself a double red hook. So a red hook is a Manhattan variant that was invented at Milk and Honey, uh, Sasha Petrasky's very famous New York City bar in the early 2000s. Uh, nothing too complicated here. It just splits the uh, vermouth into... Uh, the recipe calls for 50% vermouth, 50% maraschino liqueur. I, I like maraschino, but I find it a little too assertive for that. Also, I don't like a, a two-to-one balance in my Manhattan. I like something closer to a five-to-two. So I just cut the, the maraschino to a quarter ounce and then doubled it to a half ounce and poured it into this lovely Manhattan glass with two maraschino cherries since the double. Also on the line, a man no stranger to Manhattan, the borough, or Manhattan, the drink. It's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Good evening, Jeffrey. Uh, I have a, the uh, same as last week, actually. I'm going to pronounce it the American way, the Basil Hayden. It sounds very wrong saying it that way. Uh, Basil Hayden, old-fashioned, a little bit simple syrup, a little bit of buzz. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, I don't really stray much from my old-fashioned lately. I need to get a bit more adventurous, but... Um, I'm out of other liquors. If you want some old-fashioned variants, you can actually put a little bit of the, like a quarter ounce or a bar spoon of the maraschino, a couple drops of absinthe, or you don't have absinthe, you can use Peychaud's bitters and do an improved whiskey cocktail. I need to, uh, so what we're doing with our um, house, we've got mm. another nice little like music area in our new, in our new yes. house. Have you and gotten uh, a new $4,000 door yet, Patty? <laughs> Fuck the door, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. $4,000 door. Oh, that was a Freudian slip. Um, I'm going to get a drinks tray built up. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a nice little drinks tray. So I'm going to get, invest in some alcohol, but I need the furniture to put it on first. You can get a nice, uh, we have, I mean, I store my alcohol in a lot of different places at this point. But my favorite thing is I got like a 1950s bar cart. So if you, yes. oh, nice. I mean, you're in like the area of New Jersey where you can schlep around like flea markets and stuff like that, probably. So you can find some cool like uh, vintage barware. And that's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Well, we, more 70s, 60s, 70s, we're looking at like a cigar lounge yeah, kind yeah. of like that kind of thing. Yeah. Interior design with Alice Marikast. <laughs> Beats talking about the Shrewsbury game. We will move on to the last of our co-hosts in New England. Somewhere in New England. It's Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. Uh, in between uh, dropping my son off at soccer practice and racing with my daughter to her hockey practice, I uh, stopped at a beer store and uh, I grabbed a mix pack and I made... Uh, one uh, summer bear, uh, summer ale, uh, wheat ale that I've had on here before, the Shovel Town. And I also grabbed Jack's Abbey uh, Oktoberfest with tomorrow being the autumn equinox. I thought I could drink a summer beer and an autumn beer tomorrow. So to fill out the rest of my four pack, I grabbed two uh, raspberry lime Ricky Sours from Smutty Nose Brewing Company up in New Hampshire. They do a very good job. Um, it's a little sour um it's right there in so the name you gotta be ready for that yeah i it missed yeah i like so. i like the super like almost like painful to drink sours if i'm going to do them 
Yeah, we had that. We, bizarrely, I suppose my friend that on the Sunday we went to the Jets uh, game and we tailgated before. And my friend speaking brought of, those... Speaking of sour experiences. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from start to finish. My friend brought those smutty noses with him. I said, try some of that. And I said, oh, it's too sour for me. Uh, yeah, so... well, I shouldn't have bought two. So I'm on my second one. <laughs> yeah. Put you in the right state all. of mind to talk I was about, about the Shrewsbury game. Thank right? you. Yeah. Well done. Well done. I will also give you props for getting the one good American Oktoberfest out there. The Jack Sabby one is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, I'm not a huge Oktoberfest fan, but I, I saw that and said, let me, let me make it happen. We will make this podcast happen. We will review the Shrewsbury game. There's not any real news. Uh, I, I'll get I'll get rid of the Wednesday news right now, such as it is. Kadeem Harris went to a second uh, division side in the Ukraine. There it is. But I do want to chat today, apparently. Oh, good for you. But I yeah. do want to talk a little bit about uh, FFP and the general finances of the lower leagues and the uh, MLS and Liga MX shamefully trying to get some of the juice you can only find from the Papa John's trophy. <laughs> what a bizarre crossover podcast we have where yeah. we talk about Papa John's trophy and Liga MX MLS tournaments. Uh, we will also preview... And uh, home furnishings. We'll preview the, we'll preview the <laughs> Ipswich game because I know Justin... What niche shall we cover? I'm to preview for that. Uh, Justin, are you aware there's two games this week to cover? I'm not. I thought we would sneak on before the other, so... No, it's Ipswich What are we Wigan. missing out on? Wigan. We see oh, it's man, whatever. I would it's love Wigan. to have covered Wigan. Wow. I guess. I'm disappointed. Maybe I'll mm. put out a special supplement pod at some mm. point. We could do a little live Wigan preview. <laughs> As I research it. Yeah. <laughs> we will start with the game against the Shrews. 1-1 one, one draw. Um, I guess we'll start with thumbs up. Justin, you have like the first 30 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Um, tell you what, for a thumbs up, I thought that the exactly the first 30 minutes of the game, uh, I was really impressed with our movement. Um, you know, we were just saying off air, it felt like aside from the two center backs and uh, Hutch and then Gregory up front kind of stretching things out. The other middle, as you I guess you would say, inverted commas, uh, seven players were basically all interchanging and Every time they got the ball, there were quick passes and lots of movement off the ball. And it was exactly what we had seen when our 4-3-3, has been effective. Um, you know, Shadipo was outstanding out wide, carrying the ball. If he came inside, Palmer would overlap. Uh, Hunt and uh, Berhino were working well on the other side, but Berhino would also come inside if need be. Uh, Bannon was being... Good Bannon, collect the ball, turn, moving on to somebody else. Uh, nice to see a Dennerin back covering a lot of ground. It, we, we were really making things happen. And, and I'll be totally honest, we should have probably put that game away. Um, we were good with the ball. Our press was excellent. Um, we were all over them. I was Probably the should game. have put the game away. That's the understatement of the uh, week. This season. Least. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's, no, this season. We, we've had multiple games where we, mm -hmm. we could have put it away early. We have not. Um, I, I got to be honest, Jeff, when you said it was a 1-1 tie, part of my brain went, but I thought we lost. Because yeah, it's yeah. just, it's it's felt like You know, that. honestly, um, they, uh, it's tough to say based on the balance of the game. They were lucky to get away 1-1 off the second half, I think. Uh, we were, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday was lucky to get away 1-1. 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I don't know that Shrewsbury was. That they were not very clinical in the final third, like a lot of teams this year. They were, yeah, they were not. They were not threatening, but they certainly outplayed us. Although, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit maybe with the thumbs down. Um, the, you know, their tactical adjustments were, you know, stopped us from doing what we wanted to do. Which, again, I was worried about where the width would come from this week. And for that first thirty minutes, we had width with everybody. Again, a great interchange, people all over the park, moving the ball quickly. You know, Berhino's great header. He almost put another one in. Uh, uh, he had that play. Gregory almost walked in alone and almost caught the keeper. Like I said, our press, Shadipo on the wing was making things happen. You know, Bannon had a couple of fabulous uh, passes, including the one to set up the penalty. And then it all went to shit. Uh, I'll hop off that because my thumbs up is Liam Palmer. Is They have never looked better this year sort of attacking than running through Liam Palmer and Shadipo like for those first 30 minutes which they basically did which is wild to say but Palmer like cutting in the inside he was very direct I think that's like the overarching theme of this season when they're attacking players especially in the midfield and and, in the wingers to a certain extent play more direct they just cut teams open because of the general quality in the squad it's when they start to get like a little tiki taka that they run into trouble and teams can press up on them. And I think that's when, you know, at a certain point, Shrewsbury figured out like, oh, we can just play them like Plymouth did. We're not quite as good, but they're still going to go into their shell a little bit if we press them, which they were able to do late in the game. Uh, and I, I thought the the substitutes didn't really help with that either, but that's getting ahead of myself. Yeah, the, the Shadipo and Palmer playing on the wing were just at, they were unplayable. Basically, like Shrewsbury had no answer for them. They they created a ton of opportunities. Um, you know that should have led to to more goals than it did. I believe it actually led to the the corner that Berahino put away. But yep. it's just yeah, that was I thought I thought it was you know Palmer is defensively flawed as a, as a fullback, but. He does offer something going forward, and I thought he had a really good game. Imagine saying that like two years ago mm-hmm. that Palmer is better going forward than he was defending. <laughs> I, I, even you, more you wild, I will say in this game ago. they looked better playing through Palmer than they did playing through Bannon. The, I think Palmer's transformation to being a roaming goal threat, I think, is different. <laughs> Gravy called it today on, uh-huh. on, the, on, the, on the podcast uh, is. Hilarious. Did you notice in the 13th minute we did a, a training ground routine where Bannon yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, faked yeah, it into the box, <laughs> yeah. squared it to Palmer, who took a shot from 45 yards it out. It didn't miss by much. No. no. That's yeah, off the that training ground. They're deciding to pass to Liam Palmer to shoot mm-hmm. from 40 yards out. What the hell is going on? Yeah, well, You know, it's funny. Yeah, I, you saw how open Palmer was. Yeah. I remember thinking, like, I mean, they, who's going to mark <laughs> Palmer outside the box on a set piece? Like, why would you do that? I think it was if you've watched a video of Wednesday for the last seven years. Why would you? No, the level of cockiness that we got to oh, in that yeah. first 30 minutes was insane. Like mm-hmm. I said, um, I, I you've had, but you've both stolen my thumbs up. I was going to go left hand side too with the uh, Palmer and uh, uh, and Shadipo. Shadipo gave their right back a torrid time, turned him inside out. Uh, and he didn't look Palmer, great against Plymouth, but I thought he really played like hey, it's first game back. He'd set a long spell off, and no one looked good against Plymouth. So fair enough. 
Palmer did a few uh, step overs. He did a few little like one touch stuff people's heads. He was like watching a FIFA like uh, <laughs> <laughs> Scottish <laughs> international <laughs> Leon Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I took that aside. I'm, I'm on your side there. So I thought I'd put a new thumbs up because um, uh, he stole mine. I'm going with uh, Berahino. Um, I thought Berahino had a really solid uh, game. And it took me about 45 minutes to work out where he was playing because he wasn't, where Shadeep was, you said, Justin was mentioning about how we were rotating up pretty much the entire side. Almost like a, we've gone from the donut where it's just a big hole in the middle of the field to a rotating donut where it's just like everything's like changing positions around like my circles. Now, uh, I thought Berahino was actually much more uh, kind of infield supporting number 10 than a winger than what Shadipa was. Shadipa was like a wing, winger, obviously. Gregory was the, the totem pole at top as, as the point, point of the attack. Berahino didn't go wide very often, often relied on uh, Adoniran to to overlap and, and bring it in wide. So that's why I was a little confused with the formation. But um, I'll go along with 43 for the sake of argument. Um, I do think that he had a really composed game and it showed a lot of his qualities, both but um, in the build-up play, he did a couple of great passes from like right to left, a couple of cross-field balls. Uh, I think he laid off the ball really well, held up the ball pretty well too. Uh, and he was unlucky uh, not to get, get two goals in two minutes. Uh, the second header he had from, I think, again, another good Liam Palmer cross, wasn't it? Yeah. He's absolutely, wide. like, at this level, like, he's very difficult to deal with in the air. He's going to score, yeah. score a lot of headers this year, I suspect. I didn't know that he was that good in the air, but I mean, um, whether... Do you think that Ayafa got a call to leave that for Berahino on the corner from Bannon? I don't Ayafa know. Ayafa seemed it's to a... miss it, and then Berahino was behind him. Hmm. I mean, that's just like setting up actual multiple points of attack on a set piece, which they've failed to do really at any point in time. But yeah, that was a, that was a textbook bullet header, and his second one was you know a little bit different. He kind of... Uh, it was a little behind him. A little he behind him, and he knocked it down, back. yeah. No, it was a t- I think people... people he. He should have gotten on target, but it wasn't as easy as I think people think it was. Like, it looked like it should have got on target because he did such a great job to even get it. Yeah, I think that was a little behind him. But regardless, he was was miles ahead of him. Like, when we saw him last week, it was like, oh, this could take a while uh, to get back into shape. Yeah, it took a week. (laughs) And and he looked good. And I guess he, you know, we'll talk about the subs in a bit, but he, uh, I guess he had a a slight knock. to to get him subbed off otherwise it sounds like more would have left him on uh, so you know yeah no he he was very effective and patty I, I think him coming inside a lot was uh when that ball was out wide on the left side where we were looking to come down that that stretched things out and allowed him to come into the middle into that spot where he was very effective um, it is a little weird to me they started gregory and marahino in the same yeah, I guess the like when I saw the lineup, I'm like, is, is this a four four two? Because you look at it, and I I think of Berahino sort of more of a oh Wednesday Twitter tra- was all excited. traditional we front, traditional like target man it's more than I mean maybe he's more of like a <laughs> maybe he's like more of a nine and a half than a true ten. But... I, I genuinely for the first half I thought he was more of a supporting number ten than a right winger because yeah. he didn't spend much time on yeah. that wing as opposed to Shadipo who did. Yeah. Um, but I think we just, I'm, uh, my my simple brain is still in 1987, Justin, where everyone <laughs> has to be in their boxes, where you are more total football kind of, everyone's moving to different positions. Great kits, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. 
Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm going to move on from that. I think it's quite a good segue into what I was saying, uh, what my thumbs down is going to be. Um, and that's balance. And it's a mixture of the subs we put on and the players we're playing in the positions we're playing them in. Um, and I, I'm not sure if we can really use um, injuries as the excuse anymore. So we said... I thought the, the, the I thought both the subs and the squad selection were bizarre. Yeah, and I think that's what I'm trying to get with the balance side of things because I think when you when you bring in Hutch into defensive midfield, when you've got someone I would say is a uh, more dynamic defensive midfielder uh, in Dennis Adeniran, uh, and putting Adeniran as your right mid slash right winger, uh, when you've got people on the bench who can play right wing. Uh, in that role, it feels to me that we're still struggling a little bit to put the square pegs in square holes type thing. And I don't know why, I don't really don't know what managers do this. Managers do this quite a lot where they sign people to play in this position, then play them somewhere else after the first two games. And it, maybe it's just getting the best players on the pitch. Do you think that's what the reason is, Justin? Well, I, I think this was an injury situation. I, I think if we wanted that loan, um, defensive midfielder we would love to have it be uh Luongo ideally um but he's out um and you know we, we've used buyers in that role but he wasn't available either um I think they wanted Dunkley in to try to handle uh was it Cosgrove the the big I thought uh, he did a good job I thought, I thought Hutch was yeah. good I th- thought Hutch was fine in the yeah in the I, I thought he did okay I think you don't play a denner in there because a denner wants to cover ground. Um, and unless you've got another guy in the lineup, like a Luongo or even a buyers who can kind of rotate back there, I think more just kind of said, let's sit with Hutch um, back there. Uh, I, I didn't really like the subs either. Um, you know, and again, they, they were, they were because of, you know, they were there because of small knocks, right? Supposedly that's why uh, both the Denneran and uh, uh, Sh- uh, not Shadipo, uh, Berhino went off, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it just, it didn't, I don't it just under- didn't work at all. I don't well, understand bringing on Camberry as a winger when you have Silaso there. Like, yeah, especially if you're chasing the game too. Like Silasso has been playing really well yeah. as well, and Canberra is not a winger. Clearly, it, 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 this is my point about balance. The substitution we got on made it even less balanced than when we started. I don't think Adeniran's best positions on the right hand side. We have like uh, six wingers. We keep playing like Adeniran and Canberra there. <laughs> That's well, Adeniran's a he central can... midfielder who needs to roam. Right. That, and that's he can he like Adenarin can play on the wing. It's fine. Like it's not the end. Of he's a very good player, anything. and he could he can do a decent job in the wing. But without that dynamism in the middle field, mm-hmm. you're wasting him. It, it's a waste of his talent. Uh, and you've got Silasso, who I think has been playing very well on that right hand side. Um, they brought Theo Carvanu on, put him on the right rather than the left. And it just looked a little bit awkward for him. He kept trying to try and bring it onto his left all the time. Um, Canberry for Berahino again. They didn't even switch him. I thought they might switch. Canberry to be like a more 4 4 2 and put him more in the middle of the field, but they didn't. Or just put him as the nine as the target man. And that's, yeah. I think he does that effectively. But um, they didn't. They kept him on the wing where right. Berahino was playing, and that was even more bizarre. And then Wing Fadenir, and I don't think Wing did much at all in the 15 minutes he's on the pitch. But um, I mean, like I said, it was a difficult game to come into at that point. Shrewsbury were kind of bossing it a little bit. Um, 
and I, I'm still yet to be, I'm still, still yet to believe that Wing and Bannon can play effectively together. So uh, that's, um, yeah, if I can jump in and, and say kind of my big thumbs down, and, and I hate to make it about Bannon, but, you know, the more that I, I thought no, about it. No, we have a conversation it, about I, Barry Bannon. Well, so so here's what it came down to. For that first 30 minutes, we absolutely you know, ran circles around them and it was quick ball movement. And it was, as you said, Jeff earlier, very direct football, you know, collect the ball, move the ball, move to a new space, collect the ball, turn, run at the opponent. Um, and that playing within that framework, Barry Bannon's talent really comes out and he helps drive all of that forward and effectively. But when that penalty happened, and by the way, outstanding pass on his part uh to set up that penalty i called my son had drifted out of the room and i called him in i said hey do you want to see a penalty kick and i shit you not this is my eight-year-old walks in the room and goes why is bannon taking the kick and i said that that is a great question buddy that's a great question he's been he was good on penalties last year for like the two we actually won but you would think like sometime in the interim they would have gotten a better better penalty taker like i don't know if lee gregory or or berahino were both i would give lee gregory or berahino or so or like any of the other players whose job it is to kick the ball in the back of the net so here so here's my thing why i say we need have a conversation about bannon and i like i was not being completely facetious when I said we looked better working through Palmer than we did Bannon. At this level, Barry Bannon should be dominating games. Like, absolutely just pulling the string. He should be Chris Waddle of League One. And this is not and to take anything away from what Bannon has done for this club. He's probably the by far the best player ones they've had in the last decade, if, if nothing else. Maybe two. He Barry Bannon always has to be Barry Bannon. At this point in his so career, this is Jeff. So this is, I'm sorry to cut you up, but this is exactly what happened when he missed that penalty. Yeah. His game shifted and he started trying to do too much. And yeah. he went from being a major part of that machine that was slicing Shrewsbury up. And suddenly it was him slowing the ball down, him looking to make that big play, him looking to, as you just put it, to, to do the Barry Bannon thing and well, i think it got in his head and it yeah. led to a lot of yelling and arm waving yeah, arm waving and yeah, yeah. home run passes like, they were doing really well going down the wings like you don't need to be involved in every action and the fact that you're barry bannon that league is going to draw a lot of attention from the defense anyway you should right. use that to your advantage that that missed penalty killed us it it, it fucked with bannon's head and he it got in this his isn't head. The and first game where this game has happened. Not changed everybody. It's been happening for years. Well, I mean, at this level, I think even like this year in League One. And yeah. It's. They need to play a certain way. And Bannon is very capable of playing that way. Don't get me wrong. He could absolutely. More should, like, should have subbed him off <laughs> instead, actually, of, yeah. instead of somebody else. Yeah. Instead and of I don't know if you can. I don't know if you, that's the other issue, too, right? Because he's but the if captain you can't, that's a big fucking problem. It is. And again, we talk about sort of the, you know, the glorious Barry Bannon years. A lot of those were, you know, playing on the left wing of a midfield diamond with Kieran Lee and Sam Hutchinson. He was not expected to be this, you know, 
everything. The Scottish Pirlo. Yeah, he could cut it. I mean, he could certainly cut inside and change a game and and take possession and and do a bunch of things. Are we just talking around the fact that maybe Kieran Lee was the best Wednesday player in the last decade when healthy? (laughs) No, I mean, Bannon was doing all those good things in points in that game. Even the the pass for the offside goal that was not fucking offside and should have won the game. Like, that's the stuff that we yeah. wanted to see. He got the ball, he turned, he put it into space. Yeah. Good. You know, and that's, you know, where you want it to be. But, yeah, it's frustrating. He was getting further up the field. So, th- I don't think he's necessarily... So, I think what Moore's done more in this league is push by Brandon further up the field. When he drops back, like that's the, the pillow of the 38-year-old pillow at <laughs> NYCFC. Right. That's when we play badly. Um, but you can see, see that Justin said when he's pushed further up the field and he's doing a bit more kind of faster passing, that's when we can get the whole team clicking when playing like we did in that first 30 minutes. Um, but I don't know if he can do it for 90 minutes. It, it, it doesn't seem to be sustainable for him to play like that for that long. But in which case, we need to realize that fast and take him off around 60, 70 minutes and put someone that's got more legs on that can start turning over the ball, start feeding it faster to the wingers and start getting into the box more. Because as soon as balance slows down, the whole metronome slows down and the whole pace of the team slows down and the, it could become very predictable, very predictable. And we went over by teams I mean, like Shrewsby and Plymouth. It's tough out there for a 31-year-old yeah, midfielder is the thing, right? Like that's not a position that ages particularly well. Like it's not. It's not that old. Yeah, but 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 he but he but he looked great within yeah. the flow. To me, it's that, and this is why I think it was even before I was on this pod regularly. I think I was guest spotting. Is I disagreed with making him captain. Right, that's the thing. You put the armband on saw, him, and it's yeah. What we saw, he went to shit because he missed a penalty, and it affected everything. The rest of the you game, can, we you were can done. Put it on Palmer. You can put it on Hutch. You can put it on. They really brought in another veteran at this point, but um, I, you put it on Iorfa, and you could you have right, options there. Right. Yeah, I do. I do think it does. It does dry. It has driven him in weird directions on the field since they've done that. So, uh, I guess that just leaves my thumb da- thumbs down. It's like, what is going on with Billy Peacock Farrell? Ah, <laughs> uh, that was a one. That was one. That was well, a bad two. Play. It's the uh, Hutch, no, it was, Hutch was. Hutch was atrocious on that goal. No, too. I know. There's a lot of. I, I gave him a pass on the. Uh, uh, who the fuck was it? Plymouth. No, before Plymouth, the game before, where he flapped at the corner kick. The Cod Army. Oh, that was Morecambe. Morecambe. I gave him a pass. No, Morecambe like, was like the shrimp. Oh, well, whatever. Shrimp, cod, shrews, yeah. Shrimps, cods, and clams, right? <laughs> and shrews. Um, that oh, was wait, like, wait, a, that get, was like, wait, a, like they should have dealt with that at the game. near post. So I, that, I give him a pass on that. Um, but yeah, the last two games have not been good. Like he actually played well after the goal. I thought like he was good marshalling the area. He made a couple of nice saves, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, obviously he's extremely talented. Like that's not the issue. I just, you like, we talked about sort of striker as a confidence position i wonder if that's not true of goalkeeper as well so i do worry a little bit like going forward it is totally but i mean you should be the most yeah. confident goalkeeper in the world when i say what 15 pounds this season <laughs> <laughs> yeah this that reeks a little bit to me of too much to me of recency bias i mean literally the same people who are like i'm falling in love with a lone player sign him up two weeks later like drop him 
Like, guys, uh, fuck, there's 46 games and a pizza cup. Like, settle down. We need this guy long term. He'll be okay. I know you're not going for all of them, but we're 150 episodes into a Wednesday podcast now. I think you should probably <laughs> be aware of how the, the fan base. Uh... Does that mean I have to accept it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got a cake ball. <laughs> Can we recall Cameron Dawson from Lone? That's what I'm asking. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Not, not quite exactly. to that stage yeah. yet. Yeah. Mm. Jesus. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will and just talk about some stuff and then preview Ipswich. We may make Justin do a live Wigan preview on air. <laughs> oh. It's now time for... Uh, Liga MX and MLS news. I know we have dispatches from American soccer. That's a thing we used to do, right? So we'll Callbacks. go with that. We'll go with that. It's, an, it's a good callback for the for the long times. Uh, so Liga MX and the MLF announced they're a leagues cup, which has a it's like a cup competition. It's not like the Concacaf Champions League, but it'll have like a group stage and then a knockout round. Patty, this sounds a lot to me like the Papa John's Trophy. For so, are you telling me I've got to sit through a Papa John's Trophy and a Papa John's Trophy US? <laughs> I guess. What's me? The, so, so if you're, it'll be like a Witherspoon's Trophy, right? If they're if you're doing a Papa John's at the American like generic pizza, <laughs> obviously <laughs> the US mm-hmm. and Mexico will do the generic British. Uh... Well, all of our. All of our pizza chains are American pizza chains, so there's no right. British so it's like, pizza like, chain. Yeah, like Witherspoons. What's the what's the chicken place that everyone likes? Nando's. 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 Yeah, the so Nando's Cup, yeah. The Nando's League Cup, mm. we'll call it in the, the US. Uh, that's well, they the call US it the US. League's Cup because it's two leagues. So what they're doing? They're doing the they're doing the the whole of Liga MX I mean, versus MLS. Liga. MLS. I don't know if they're doing a random draw for it. It's like the Papa John's Trophy where the US teams are in one group. Uh, various groups in the the MX teams and other groups, but and it's like a World Cup tri- type type Yeah, I guess the idea is they want some of the lower, like the not as well sort of. They want to get more exposure for the lower level Liga MX teams. Seems to be the idea, but they they, they want the uh, they want the uh, passionate and rabid Mexican fans to spend the American dollars on a uh, new event is what it is like they're you know they're juicy games and 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 whatever else they're probably good to a to a tv and a traveling fan market but i don't know what you're actually trying to capture here right this is not this is an invented tournament like maybe it's the carabao cup more than the is that reason where it it is right no they're taking the whole month off it's like a world cup tournament are they? I haven't like I haven't read the press release. If I'm in all honesty, I don't. I won't give two fucks about North American soccer till there's promotion relegation. And what they should do is combine the Mexican leagues and the U.S. leagues to make a league and do that. Coming off of this is the idea that the MLS is expanding at such a rapid rate at this point that they might do a thing where they end up with forty MLS teams and there's MLS one and MLS two, and you already have USL Championship and USL League One. And you can do uh, promotion relegation within those two constructs. But so the idea for me is so so my local team is Hartford Athletic, 
which is in the USL Championship, which I guess is the second tier of American soccer at this point. Why not just do full promotion and relegation, right? If Hartford Athletic wants to, they're, they're aligned with like Southampton, I think. Is it, I don't want to say like a feeder club, they're not like a feeder club for them, but like some Southampton youth players do end up there. But like, why not? Like, that's the idea, right? That's the whole thing. Like, I don't know what the Hartford equivalent in England is, but you do hold out hope that that team can make the Premier League, right? Because like, you know, Leicester yeah, City, but then, Leicester but City's then you're, been you're in Europe for the last owners, like three and four years. billionaire owners might fuck up and have to actually deal with some consequences for fucking up. I mean, there's that's, no millionaire that's owners what's going in MLS because right. it's the league owned by every the league owns every yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, now it's MLS and their whole model is trash. And Patty, I love that you go to Red Bull games because you get to enjoy and experience the live football um experience which is so much better than television but but fuck this whole league and it's (laughs) the way it's run and the way it operates i've been to hartford athletic games it's fun it's an entirely plastic club that was invented at wholesale cloth and just now exists and i don't even think there's a particularly good reason for it but yeah it's a nice day out there's a brewery right up the the street there's a brewery right up the the street i can go to i can park at like 5 p.m. go to the brewery for two hours then walk over for seven and like it's great and that's fine that is the thing that should exist no like i was mls will choke any and all grassroots football in this country that's that's where we are and that's what it'll be and i'm coming up with the league cup branded with so they can steal some mexican leagues cup leagues (laughs) cup is it with a z no, with I mean, I can't believe we're talking about this. No, I know there's nothing to talk about. But. There's nothing to talk about. So yeah, we already covered Kadeem Harris going to a, a second division Iranian squad. So and immediately scoring. Yeah, yeah we got a. Yeah, he's got equalizer in the like last ten minutes. To be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the league MX MLS anymore because that's as much as we can talk about. But it right. is actually a bizarrely. I want to clarify. It is like a World Cup style tournament in summer, which for MLS is like the middle of the league. Mm. It's taking a whole month off to have this tournament. It is like, yeah, it's, I don't... It's bizarre. Check it Check it out. League's Cup at, at League of Mexico. Well, it's yeah, a like, weird thing. So what are they going to do like in the actual World Cup year when they're playing in the US and Canada? Well, they're going to have a World Cup every other year anyway, so <laughs> yeah, don't worry so... about it. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so Football much. is going to like shit. A, you know, and here we are doing a Wednesday podcast where it's been going to shit for the last 20 years. So it's just uh, right in line, I suppose. Speaking of going to shit, Ipswich Town preview. No, I wanted to do I wanted to do before we get to that. Oh, I thought I had a good segue for once. We did. We're good on time. Um, so Reading is getting a nine-point deduction for financial uh, fair play violations. Also going to shit. Darby is entering administration. Ugh. Look, we've had some fun with Reading over the years on this podcast, certainly. Um, you know, joking about, you know, Reading requiring their fans to take off their Manchester United shirts before they entered the ground and things like that. That I believe, like that wasn't me. That was James Allen, to be clear, who is not here to defend himself. But I feel like that was James Allen. This is not a like. This is not a good thing, right? Like you want you know tying it back into the conversation about sort of like MLS and grassroots football. You want these clubs to be viable, and you know it's been a t- if you're not a Premier League level 
side at this point. You weren't in the Premier League during, you know, the pandemic. Your books are not going to look good. That's just the reality of it, right? Because you're more reliant on fans in the stands than even a, like a, a a nondescript mid-table like Aston Villa. Because you have all those TV contracts and you fulfilled all those TV contracts, you can go out and still sign high quality players. I mean, you also got a hundred million pounds for Jack Grealish, but that's neither here nor there. But the idea is like, like teams like Reading and teams like Darby, it's like, what are you doing? I know like, it's like letter of the law versus spirit of the law, but like no team is, you know, beyond the, you know, the Premier League with their TV deals is really able to sustain. Darby, Bolton, Wigan, Macclesfield teams are disappearing. Teams are, fucking disappearing right now and that's something that like right so the idea of the efl is like to protect (laughs) english (laughs) (laughs) yes but but it is to protect english football writ large right in theory i mean is it is that i mean is that is that on their website um I believe they're the governing body of the league we're in. I'm not sure they're there to. Well, I mean, I think maybe in a small, uh, small print somewhere it says we should protect the interests of the clubs within it. And I think that might have been what this, this whole FFP set out to do. Yeah. But they've got to take a look about what's happened in the past well, five, a, ten years. I mean, even before that, the idea behind like FFP was like seven English clubs pulling up the ladder behind them, yes. right? Yeah, like that's the they like. Whether it's Abramovich or the you know various Qatari trusts or anything like that, like, well, 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 we're we're well positioned now, and we've created this situation where we bought in and we're able to spend whatever we wanted to create a pipeline of talent, and uh, we have just more financial muscles to throw around than any other team, and we don't want anyone else doing that. We've we've got the number of teams we want able to do that, do that, and then we're just going to all. There's a New York Times article uh, from a few years back after Leicester won the won the league, where it's like they got like some I don't remember which team it was, but some very like director or that kind of level person within the football section. Like, yeah, it was a great story. We never wanted to happen again. I think that was a Roy Smith piece. I remember. Yeah, that. yeah. He he does great stuff. Uh, because they don't. No, they don't. They don't. No, they don't. No, Liverpool, Arsenal, United, you know, that old cadre mm. suddenly found. You can talk that, about the Fenway uh, Sports Group if you want, uh, Justin. I, I know yeah, you're, no, you're... that's okay. I've, I've gone off. I've gone <laughs> off. I don't really feel like it. Other than uh, they're, uh, that poor woman who tweeted the picture of her shitty, shitty pizza from Hillsborough <laughs> uh, with a paid four bucks. Uh, I probably stopped being a Red Sox fan the day I paid eight bucks for a slice of pizza that looked like that at Fenway. That ended with me drunkenly, repeatedly tweeting at uh, at John Henry, <laughs> you fucking bastard. How can you do this? You're ruining everything. So hmm. I think we know where I lie on this. Um, yeah, no, it's it's just, you know, to, to have something like FFP and claim that it's to help football when it's clearly not. And to have the EFL, the league who... You know, the, the clown running it was fully in support of the Super League and, and things that do not benefit. You know, he's fully in favor of allowing the Premier League to buy out uh, basically all rights from the EFL for a, a 
tiny bit of cash to just help some clubs stay afloat right now. It's it's gross. I I never want to feel bad for Derby. I feel bad for Derby. <laughs> you know, it, going into administration is no. It's a, like, these again, are, very like, what you, field. Yeah. These are it's awful. Blackpool. Yeah. Like you can just there's the list goes on and on. It's a thing, right? They ruined clubs. It's, it's ruined uh, many. Clubs. It ruins communities. Ruins yeah. clubs and communities. So AF, the AFL ruins communities. It's all been. I think what's instigating a lot of this uh, is the parachute payments uh, that people are getting yeah. because you, you, we can't compete. So clubs like ourselves uh, and Derby that haven't been Premier League in the last twenty years uh, don't have the parachute payments uh, to compete with. So we have to try and finagle our way out of this thirty-nine million pound. <laughs> Profit and loss. Uh, yeah, I mean, selling your stadium to yourself, just, but not sending the email yeah. in time. And I mean, yeah. Mel Morris has literally tried every single trick in the book, and they're yeah. still in administration. Yeah, uh, it's it's sad, and I don't know if anyone's listened to the podcast um, that Al Jazeera put out recently uh, around that kind of like the mystery men that kind of like try to broker deals with football clubs. It's really, really good. I think it's called the I Unit, the Al, Al Jazeera I Unit, um, <clears throat> and they interviewed like. We've got like undercover reporters interviewing these people that try to broker deals between like Mel Morris and a few other clubs, and just the shady dealings that will go on to try and get people, that, criminals, to buy uh, football clubs, to uh, allow them to be, uh, come across as a uh, uh, legal entity uh, or just a dark entity that the FL won't be able to investigate, <clears throat> and it's worked uh, a few times. It's crazy and. The EFL is an absolute shit show right now, and it's it's ruining the the clubs in the EFL, and they need to step back and realize that they're doing this uh, and change the rules. Simple as that. Is is that in the small print of their directive? Here to ruin clubs. I mean, even more broadly, if you look at the last at like eighteen months at this point, like why would you still be enforcing FFP? They said they weren't going to do that. The clubs <laughs> well, going to administration during the pandemic. Reading, apparently, Reading has violated finance structures within the EFL. That's why they're getting a nine-point deduction. Bullshit. It's all bullshit. Like, but I mean, yeah, Patty, you, you you raise a great, absolutely great point. These teams have been put in a position where they're almost forced to do shady dealings right. just to try to even the score a little bit because there's no other way around it. You know, you, you either do, and, and, you know, we talk about the Brentford model and we love Brentford and Brighton did it the right way, if you will, but it takes those clubs a few years. Um, you know, and the flip side is with your Wolves or, you know, a Villa going right back up or, you know, these clubs, if you can throw money at it and sneak in under the table, it works. And, and too many clubs have tried it. It's fucking ruined them, including our own. You know, right, that's it's, like the that's the like anything else. It's a it's a gamble, right? Because you get into the Premier League, it's the payoff is, you know, when Wednesday faced Hull at Wembley, it was like the whatever it was the hundred and eighty million pound game or whatever it was because that was the goes the, up the every year contract. Yeah, it's a, and it is what it is. And like, look, we're at League One. We're doing a podcast about a League One team. That's what's happening. And Wednesday won't be the first. Won't be the last to you know face the music chasing the chasing those games but the, again the payoff is so good at the end of it i mean you know look at a team like i'm not even going to go up to like the lesser level but look at a team like burnley or leeds that have been able to stay up and 
again, the, the financial windfall there is incredible, right? Honestly, I mean, but Berlin leads, I think, are um, anomaly in the respect that the amount of people that have come up and down, like Norwich, for instance, Fulham, for instance, mm-hmm. the ones that go, that go up, come down, take the money and continue. That's West now, that's yeah. not a model. That is a model that Hall was that until they dropped all the way down. Yeah. 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 Something's right. changed. Well, that's that's whatever that segment was. All right, Ipswich Town. <laughs> Take it away, Justin. All right, I was waiting for that. How so many how enough. many Ipswich Town previews have we done? We cannot get away from Ipswich Town previews on this show. Oh man. So it, it's funny though that it's a perfect um club to sort of piggyback on what we're just talking about ipswich is a legitimately big club right um so for our american listeners uh who aren't that familiar with ipswich um they they are one of two uh major teams in uh essex i believe or angliac uh what, what is it patty you're shaking your head please hit me up what do you call yeah. that area of the country uh, East Anglia, so they're in Suffolk and uh, Norwich. Ang- oh, Suffolk, not Essex. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you. My fault. Uh, so right, so Norwich is their big rival, um, which the is old delightful. Farm Derby. Yes. The old farm <laughs> derby. It's fucking brilliant, brilliant. Whoever came up with that. Um, uh, so Ipswich is known as the Tractor Boys, which mm. you know probably says a lot. Um, old club formed in 1878, became fully professional in 1935, joined the football league in 1938. Um, interesting that they've had sort of two periods of real success in their history. Uh, Alf Ramsey, uh, who our English friends would know is the man who won the, or led England to the 66 world cup. Um, Alf Ramsey was their manager, came in in the late fifties and got them promoted. And they are the only team to ever win the first division title the year, their first year in the division, um, in 1960. They won uh, the top flight, uh, went to the European Cup, which is a version of the Champions League now. Of course, Ramsey immediately took off for better and brighter pastures. So he wouldn't be a uh, tractor boy, if you will, and helped lead England to the 1966 World Cup. So, of course, Ipswich kind of went to shit um, until Bobby Robson was over in the mid-70s and really built up uh, a pretty impressive squad. They came in second and third in the top flight a couple times. He won the FA Cup in 78 and actually won the UEFA Cup in 1981, which is now the uh, Europa League. Um, since that period of success, um, they've mostly been a second division side, championship side, um, other than uh, our their recent d- severe drop, uh, not just into the third tier, but they're pretty low last year. Um, I, I will say one other really interesting thing I found about Ipswich historically is that the wonderful film Escape to Glory featuring uh, Sylvester Stallone and uh, Pele, uh, amongst others, uh, most of the actors that were involved in doing the stunts participating in the game were Ipswich Town players, current Ipswich Town players. So next time uh, that movie's on, uh, recognize uh, so far this year, they, they spent a ton of money in the offseason. Everybody thought they were going to be a big hit, but they just won their first game last week against Lincoln. Uh, they have one win, uh, three draws, three losses, a minus four goal differential, but the ball is going in the net. They've scored 11 and given up 15 so far this year. Um, Paul Cook is their manager. We, we all know Paul Cook because of his ties to potentially to Wednesday um, and 
to Wigan, which I hate to even mention since we're not going to get a Wigan preview out today. Um, so Paul Cook, uh, what's going to be interesting about this game is that Paul Cook also uses the 4-2-3-1 version of the 4-3-3. But Cook, uh, at least traditionally, has been adamant about having the staunch defensive double pivot. He builds everything out from the solid defensive base. And then the rest of the 4-3-3 looks like you'd expect it. Um, you know, short short passes, possession, balls on the ground, you know, the, the way that we would like to play. Um, although it sounds like a little more defensive. Uh, when he was at Wigan, he had Kiefer Moore to lump balls up to. And, you know, Kiefer Moore is a heck of a player, especially at that level. So that's effective. Um, this year, they haven't had as much luck. Um, they, they signed Joe Piggott. Um, who I know we had looked at up front. He's got two goals. It's a man named Macaulay Bond or perhaps Bonnie. Um, and he's a loney from QPR. He has five goals this year and only two starts. Um, and a man named Kyle Edwards is up on the left side, left winger attack is pretty solid. Uh, but the whole idea of Paul Cook and his defensive solidity with that double pivot and his back four, they've all been shit this year. Um, really haven't done anything and it looks like a legit weakness for them including uh, their goalkeeper some uh you know sorry my friend uh Volklov Holadki uh 30 year old Czech or perhaps Slovak goalkeeper um they've been a mess uh especially considering the expectations for them coming into this year their win last week against Lincoln you know, hopefully doesn't point them in the right direction because uh, we, you know, we really need, we need something from this weekend. And, and, and to be totally honest, I, I'm not sure that one point, I, I guess in theory, one point on the road at Ipswich is good uh, given who they have on their team and what their expectations are. But, you know, we, we've coughed up a bunch of points recently and we're going to a team that's, barely fighting relegation um you'd like to take something more than just one point yeah you need to see once they come out and make a performance here is is what you're really looking for uh, my concern and justin uh if switch town blue kit they're gonna wear the pink are you worried about that at all after the, yes uh... <laughs> yes i am i i don't i don't like it at all i'm, I'm going to complain about it literally every single game this year yeah and I, I will reiterate, I think it looks good, but not on a field. Hmm. Not it certainly on a field. didn't look oh, good against Plymouth Argyle. So. No, it has been Shrewsbury wearing the yet. pink as well. It was even worse than Arkets. The pink mm. and black was stripe. A weird, it was a yeah, weird pink, was... too. Yeah. Mm. It's like a highlighter um, pink. I didn't mention, Patty, did you see my, uh, did you read the preview at all uh, that I put up? <laughs> no, I didn't know. <laughs> can you can you tell me which ex Wednesday player off of last year's squad has featured for Ipswich Town? They only have one start, although they have come in for two subs and they have scored a goal mm. from last year's squad. Last yeah. year's squad, interesting. Now I got to think about this too. He's twenty three. Uh, is it a defender? He's a defender slash. He's played in the midfield for them. Mm. On the left side. Mm. Is it Matt Penny? There you go. Matt Whoa, Penny. Really? Featuring Matt for Penny Ipswich at Ipswich, uh, yeah. I'm How a big Matt Penny forget. fan, so yeah. <laughs> How soon we forget. Uh, it's true. 
That's true. I, 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 hey, listen, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty stunned when I saw his name on the roster. When I, I had no roster. idea where he was. So, yeah, there you go. Well, because I don't think we gave a shit when he left. It was yeah, like, thanks, Matt yeah. Penny. See you later. I mean, I like such, Matt Penny, but such a bright star for so long, and then suddenly mm-hmm. forget where he is. Well, that's the the shit of it, right? It's like they don't get that level of player doesn't get opportunities to feature. Like he had to go to St. Pauli and then back here, and, and it really worked out. Because like, didn't well, didn't we just play a team that had Sean Claire on it? Um, yeah, yeah, I think Markham. Ops. I think Markham yeah. had uh, Sean Claire. Mm. Was it? We didn't play Oxford yet this year. No, we have an Oxford. Oxford is a couple weeks away. He was on loan at Oxford from somewhere else last season. Charlton. Um, Charlton. Mm. Yeah, I'll believe you. Um, I Googled it. I will also say when I was looking at uh, looking at Ipswich, they had a crazy five to two loss to Bolton, where uh, quickly off the top of my head, Ipswich scored. Five minutes in, Bolton scored in the 10th, scored in the 18th. Uh, there was an own goal for Ipswich to make it 2-2 two to two in the 30th. And then uh, Bolton scored in the 45th plus to make it 3-2. to two. And then scored in the 45th and 47th uh, to make it 5-2, to two, which was what the you're, final. What you're saying is that... Uh, should bet the over this weekend basically <laughs> yeah well with two or or with the two teams mirroring each other it's jack and shit we'll, yeah nil nil yeah we'll see but when i looked at bolton i realized there were two x wednesday ads on bolton the night kieran lee about kieran lee and elias kachunga oh kachunga's mm-hmm. there now i was actually so, so there was a thing i don't know if you saw this uh justin but one of the raised players like had, there was a play at the plate in the Blue Jays Rays game yesterday, and like the 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 catchers wear the little arm band that tells them how to pitch. It fell off when he's making the tag play, and the Rays player just took it to the dugout. And all I could think of was uh, Ross oh, Wallace beautiful. stealing the on Kachanga. from Kachanga, yeah, at Huddersfield, yeah. Oh, that's amazing! I didn't yeah. see that, but yeah. I'm good move. Yeah, it's all like, like it's all fair play, right? If it's if, if it falls off your body, it's fair play. I mean, Ross Wallace just stole it out of his hand. <laughs> uh, Still, was, maybe Ross Wallace's greatest highlight, even with the bright goal and the Arsenal I, yeah, goal. Yeah, the bright goal, the Arsenal right. goal. He had a, the Fulham Worldly in the FA Cup, too. Yeah, but he scored some pretty good goals for Wednesday, it, to be was, fair. So, yeah. That's about the best yeah. things I've ever seen on a field. Episode 149 of the Owls of Maricast. Maybe not the best thing you've ever listened to in our podcast history. But <laughs> you can find us on the internet at com. Email the show at owlsamericans at gmail.com. And find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are my fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend of the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts, there's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls of Maricast, we ask that you rate and review the show as helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Justin's on Twitter, at New England Owl. Justin, what's your favorite Ross Wallace moment? You ran through a bunch of them, but you got to pick one. Oh, I think I just did. It's you definitely... It's, stealing it's the... pulling the paper. I, I, fuck it, I could watch that on loop. <laughs> it's on youtube and i would laugh every time it is on youtube you think you think i have not done this (laughs) (laughs) it's 
it's it's a great joy. And you know, Wallace was I I think he left when his time was up right. at the club, and that was okay. Uh, and in fact, that was even better than than some players who maybe stick around for a year or two too long. And I'm definitely not just picking on Bannon here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Wallace was Wallace was a lot of fun. Um, you know, hopefully some of the guys in this current squad can can be as accomplished as him before uh, their time here is done. Patty's on Twitter at Patty A. Jones. Patty, uh, what, so since we're not doing an official Wigan preview. What can you tell us about Wigan? Um, they're known uh, for the Northern Soul. <laughs> I remember um, watching like a YouTube video where someone was getting like a, went to like a, I don't know if it was like a chip shop or something, but was just getting various like weird off menu Wigan chip shop menu talk about the, i think they do a pie sandwich don't they in wigan yeah they, so it's like a deep yeah, some sort of yeah they put a pie inside two like fried something or others i think i saw in wigan they do, they do a pie in between a, a bread roll mm. and they eat it like a sandwich i think it's one of those things i do have some aobs um mm. okay sorry so is I, there any other business <laughs> yes uh number one um it's jamie midgley's birthday in new orleans this weekend oh, god. Hey. god god help all of you that go to that meetup <laughs> but go down if you're in new orleans and celebrate jamie um i I believe next week the wigan game is when danny in the new york house is going to be in portland and they were trying to arrange something in portland to to have like a meetup in for that but i'm not sure it's going to happen so if you're in portland uh hit up uh us new york owls and owls americans on twitter we'll try and arrange something there uh and then lastly uh she's around but anyway um Watch out on Twitter to Stephanie Emma as New York Owl, who's suffering mental health at the moment. And if you're on Twitter, go and help her out. Give her some support and love. She's on at Jinxabelle um, and certainly can do with uh, all the support Wednesday nights around at the moment. Good show, Patty. And I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostra, and we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>